0: My pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you have. And I want to talk about a challenge facing many, many millions of Americans that are in a situation where you're behind on your rent and you're potentially facing eviction an issue that we've dealt with on the show going back many months and now after the federal moratorium on evictions has uh, gone through the process of running out there is a new order from the CDC which I've talked about briefly on a couple of occasions that says because of the public health risk that you have a right to hold off a foreclosure until next year so through the remainder of the year but the process is one that has confused individuals who are behind on their rent and there are landlords that have been very aggressive in a number of jurisdictions trying to go ahead and get people evicted and this is one I want to state again this is a situation with no winners. Uh, Landlords have bills to pay. Tenants don't have money to pay their rent in a lot of cases. And so this is a lose-lose completely. But you do have these specific rights based on the CDC guidelines to avoid eviction for the rest of the year if you jump through the right hoops. Now there have been anecdotal Situations around the country where judges have made their own decisions, ignoring the CDC regulations and going ahead and processing evictions anyway. But I think that's more unusual. The bigger issue is people don't know how the process works, and you have to go through a series of tests that you have to answer on a form that I have linked at Clark.com as a tenant where you have to validate and verify income and then you have to go through a series of questions where you have tried other ways to be able to meet your rent obligation but have been unable to do so. And so you answer these various questions that people have found confusing. And so there are landlords that have been very aggressive about trying to get their properties back because they want money, right? So there's now free software available that I read about first in Bloomberg that is available to you that will help you through the questions so that you properly give the landlord and, if necessary, before a judge. You give the landlord the documentation that would forestall an eviction till 21. So the software you want to look for is Hello Landlord and it is free. It takes you through 19 questions that you have to answer in order to have the defense of the CDC regulations to avoid being evicted till next year now a couple of things this does not do anything about the money you owe it only buys you time in january a landlord will be unless there's some extension from uh, the new congress comes into office in january or a new executive action or a new action from a federal agency evictions will proceed in january in order to avoid eviction You'll have to come up with any penalties you owe your landlord and rent. But in the meantime, it means you uh, potentially can continue to occupy a property without fearing eviction, even when you can't pay rent. Again, it's called Hello Landlord. It is free to use right now. And if you do a Google or DuckDuckGo search, whatever, make sure you skip the ads for other things and go to hello landlord answer the questions print out the form and then you've got the documentation you need to provide to your landlord and then ultimately to a judge and it's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com slash ask producers Kim and Joel alternate with your questions and Kim what are we starting with today or Actually, I should say, who are we starting with today?
1: <laughs> today, we're starting with Ray from South Carolina. And Ray says, my son is off at college. I'm considering renting out his bedroom for self-storage using a new app called Neighbor, which builds it, bills itself as the Airbnb of self-storage. What do you think about renting out a bedroom, attic, or garage with something like this? I'd love a little extra monthly income.
0: So <laughs> I love this idea, and I'm terrified of it at the same time. You know americans have more stuff than anybody else on earth and we've got more storage facilities by far than any other country and so at the same time we're living with fewer people per residence and more square footage per residence than we've ever had ratios like that in uh, probably american history but certainly since records have been kept to this sort of thing since world war ii so a lot of people have excess space in homes that's just sitting there unloved and with neighbor.com you cut a deal to rent space in somebody's home to store your stuff and they got a monthly rent from you much like at a storage facility but what they say is you're paying basically half rent is about what you end up negotiating with someone there's liability coverage. We'll see how well it works out for in the event something goes wrong where things get damaged in a house somehow. They get stolen somehow. Uh, but this is pioneering days for this kind of idea.
2: Joel? Clark Ravi in Georgia says, I've been an investor with Vanguard for over 10 years. To my shock, I have now realized that for the Vanguard website – removed all contact information for personal investors from the site. You cannot call them, chat with them, or even send a secure message. It's a perfect example of customer no service. So how can I trust them with my assets if I can't even contact them? Last time I contacted them was 10 years ago. But now I'm wondering, is there a way I can move my investments to another broker without selling or triggering taxes? Thanks for your advice.
0: Okay, I don't blame you at all for being exercised. And we're going to call Vanguard and see if there's some kind of Yeah, because we have a number we can call them at. We're going to call them and see if this is a clerical error because Vanguard lists phone numbers for other purposes, for retirement investors and other categories. It's only for traditional investment accounts that the number has disappeared that you call for customer no service or customer service, whichever way you want to call it. And instead they do one of those terrible things you see with uh, some other companies where they list all these different question areas and you're supposed to click on those for briefings. I despise this kind of thing and for Vanguard the world's second largest financial company to remove a phone number I'm just hoping it's a clerical oversight but even if it's that that's really sloppy. As far as moving money in an investment account, because Vanguard funds tend to be proprietary, it is possible potentially to move them, but later when you go to sell shares, you may have trading costs you don't have at Vanguard. So give us some uh, time to find out what Vanguard's story is on removing the phone number, the fact that they've grown so fast is no excuse for giving people who have trusted you with their money no way to call you. By the way, we do have a number you can call them at. That We have the number, and I'll give it twice, 877-662-7447. That's 877-662-7447. And we'll have a conversation with them because that is absolutely amateur hour to pull off your phone number. Kim?
1: Brian in South Dakota says, I was contacted by a Facebook friend about a federal grant possibility for things like housing, paying old bills, starting a business, et cetera. Again? Yeah. He's a bit skeptical um, because, you know, it's Facebook and it could be a scam, but he's wondering if it's something that you've ever heard of.
0: Oh, have we heard about this? Unfortunately, over and over again, going back now more than 20 years going back to where it's like it's 1999 or earlier so this federal grant scam comes in different flavors different ways of reaching people facebook has been a very popular way to scam people with the government grant thing and there are no government grants that the feds are just waiting to shower you with money from and what happens with these scams is they play different ways you either end up giving key personal financial information to a crook who then instead of giving you money steals it or they charge you money for supposed access to federal grants and I'm sure there are other flavors but those are the two we're most familiar with no just because somebody sends you something on Facebook they may not have actually sent it to you it could have been a troll but senate it uh pretending to be a Facebook friend of yours and in any case know that anybody saying there's government grants just waiting to fill your account you should know it is 100% bogus
2: Joel Clark Khan in Texas says I have an American Airlines advantage miles uh 80,000 advantage miles I'd like to redeem them for gift cards, but since COVID-19, it seems like they're not offering gift cards anymore. Is there any option on how to redeem these miles? I don't want to travel at the moment and my points are set to expire in three months.
0: All right, so the good news on your points expiring is my memory, American like others, has extended the expiration on miles. Um, And if you do any activity that will generate action in your account it will forestall the expiration of your points anyway get to work on seeing what ways you have of making sure those 80,000 points do not expire and one possibility may be that you do a redemption of points for travel to somewhere that you feel comfortable going let's say late next year and redeem now for that but it would be very unlikely under the current circumstances that miles set to expire this year are going to i'll keep watching that craig is with us on the clark howard show how are you hey i'm great
3: thanks for taking my call
0: certainly craig so you made a promise to a teenager you now regret so many of us have been there before.
3: <laughs> yeah, so what I did, I told her that I'd get her a car when she turned 16, and now it's happened, but we ended up with some other expenses right before that. We, uh, we had to put a new roof on our house, actually. So now I'm scrambling to figure out how to get me a vehicle and her this vehicle in an affordable, the most affordable manner. And to make it worse, I'm looking at pickup trucks, which seem to have jumped up and cost dramatically here the last couple of
0: months. Yeah, we're in a time of extreme shortage of used vehicles for a number of odd circumstances. The pickup truck market, as you've noticed, is very, very expensive compared to what it was six months ago. And this is a temporary problem. So um, first things first, is it possible you can just tell your 16 year old the reality and maybe put off them having a car for a few months till the market goes back to more normal pricing? I suppose I could, but I'd sure feel like a heel if I did. Okay. All right. You're a typical parent letting guilt overwhelm you just like I would. So. This is, a, this is a time that maybe you buy what we used to call a beater car that you yeah. buy just, uh, you know, a car you can buy for a small amount of money that hopefully will be reliable enough to get you through the months till the supply and demand of used vehicles gets back into sync because if you buy let's say you buy a, a three-year-old four-year-old pickup truck which is normally a sweet spot as you've probably seen in the market it's really sour at this moment yep um do you have to have a truck or can you get by with a passenger car because the deals well, right now see, are with-
3: i've got a lot of options right now and that's why i wanted to call you you know i could buy like you said just a throwaway car and then you know, buy for $3,000, turn around and resell it for $3,000 in three months and get the truck I want. That's what I would Um, do.
0: If you can handle that, do you have the ability to figure out, because when you buy a very old car, you can end up buying something that uh, is trouble from the first day. Do you have a good mechanic you can rely on, or do you know how to evaluate adequately a vehicle you'd buy that would be a much older one?
3: No, whatever I get will go to my mechanic. Okay. No matter. I mean, even if I get a three-year-old, nice-looking pickup, it's going to my
0: mechanic. So that's great. So uh, I, I know there are times that it just works out great to buy a really older vehicle. Right now, it's really important to look at buying a really older vehicle because that's not where the severe shortage in the marketplace is today. It's really vehicles that are five years or newer is where this extreme shortage is at the time. So buying some time for yourself, if you want to make sure you meet that um, promise to your teenager, doing it with an older passenger vehicle is where the smart money goes. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites, clark.com and clarkdeals.com. I had talked before about the way Sam's Club, which is owned by parent company, Walmart, had changed compensation for employees and had redesigned their warehouse clubs to give employees more freedom and more responsibility. And Sam's Club has benefited from improving scores on customer satisfaction and rising sales. How amazing. Trust your people, trust them to do a good job, pay them more, and they'll do a better job. Well, in recent years, Walmart has been using Sam's Club As a way of testing things, almost like micro market testing, to see what things work and what things don't, even though the stores serve different markets, but people are people and they've learned that what things work as motivational ideas. And now, with slight modifications, the new way of treating workers. At Sam's is migrating to Walmart with significantly higher pay going into effect in just a couple of weeks for a huge number of Walmart employees 165,000 in the United States the new wage rates start at depending on I guess where you are in the country $18 to $21 an hour and in the humongous super centers that are the stores of 200,000 square feet or higher the wages can go up to $30 an hour so what they're doing is they know they that the complexity of Walmart operations has gotten much more difficult to administer because of Walmart plus their new delivery service the big push they're doing for store pickup much more is being expected of workers in order to execute selling to people who come in the store, selling to people who come to the store for pickup, and then delivering to people in many cases same day who want that is the way they get stuff. And so you got to trust your people more and give them more authority and get more productivity out of them. So this is having an effect making the pay a a higher base rate and this is something that employees have been asking for because Walmart used to have a very low base rate and then kind of mamby-pamby about having bonuses that the employee didn't have much control over. Now employees will get more money as their regular paycheck amount but they will also be expected to be better decision makers have access to more training and be in a position to do more for a customer and we'll see I mean you take on higher overhead it's it only is successful if they're able to execute day after day to provide a better experience but you think about how many times In the last three months, I've talked about new higher pay rates at any of a number of retailers, and this is not just a flash in the pan. This is clearly where we're headed. We've got retailers are getting stronger that need to hold on to the new customers they've gotten, and part of that is doing a good job for those customers. And in order to reduce turnover, people have to be in a position that they can earn a decent paycheck. You know, in retail, workers historically have not been respected in that way. And retailers generally have not valued continuity with employees. But that is obviously going through a change for the benefit, hopefully, of customers and certainly of workers. It's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate. And if I remember right, Kim, it's your turn. You are correct, sir. Oh, no.
1: I was finally right once. (laughs) Yes, you were. This is from Adele in California. And Adele says, my father gave me large quantities of silver dollars from all different years, some dating back to 1885 in all various states of condition. What should I do with them? I'm grateful for the gift, but I'm not much of a coin collector. If I should keep them, how do I store them? How do I figure out how much they are worth? Right now, they're just on a shelf in jars and boxes.
0: Wow. So you may have things that are worth a great deal. You may have things that some may have sentimental value. Others could have significant market value. And for someone who is not an expert in coins, This can be a very difficult area for you not to get taken, not to get ripped off. There is a publication that people who have uh, been coin collectors for a long time have looked at the Red Book Guide, and that would be something you could consider. But I really like for you to check to see uh, what local coin collectors clubs there are near you, where you live. You go to money.org. You'll be able to see lists of local coin clubs. It will be a source of potential buyers for you for what you've got, but also a way for you to learn only as much as you need to because this is not for you a hobby full of joy. This is just an opportunity for you to sell off something that could have value that you could use the money for other purposes in your life. Historically, outside coronavirus, I've talked about going to local coin shows. Um, Right now, coin shows are generally not taking place in the United States, and when we're past coronavirus, those will resume. The beauty of going to a coin show is you have multiple people all in one exhibit hall who are there to give you prices for coins. Today the closest you have to that is eBay where you can see what coins may be going for that are same or similar to the ones you have which would give you some guidance if you did want to sell that way on the eBay platform. The more time you spend doing this kind of research you'll go through a wave of confusion at first that will lead to more clarity As you dig in more, you got to be patient to get the level of knowledge so that you get somewhere close to the value that the marketplace would say is reasonable.
2: Joel? Clark Neal in Idaho says, You recently suggested using Maximize My Social Security, a $40 program to determine when a person should claim their Social Security. May I suggest a free program instead, though, at the Social Security's website? I had run the $40 program, and then I tried the free calculator and got practically the same results. Just trying to save listeners a buck or two.
0: I appreciate that. And that is great advice. There are other free private market tools. Financial engines has one as an example. Um, I feel like my memory says AARP has one as well. Maximize my social security is worth the $40 for someone who has any unusual situation that they're trying to fare it out it has so many simulations built into it that for someone with a more confusing situation it is likelier to give you a more precise answer than you'll get from the free tool at SocialSecurity.gov but it is perfectly fine the simpler your situation the less reason there is for you to spend the forty dollars for maximize my social security I have seems like everything in my life is this way financially but I have a more complicated series of calculations I have to make and that's why maximize my social security is well worth the $40 for me a more linear situation use the free tools
1: Kim Catherine in California says, with bank bail-ins a risky reality for U.S. consumers, are depositor funds safe up to the FDIC limit, or can any bank grab any and all depositor funds if the bank is at risk of failing?
0: Okay, I'm glad that you posed this question to me, Kim, because we haven't had this kind of question since 2011 when we went through the massive wave of bank failures and people have gotten a little sloppy again who are sitting on mountains of cash, particularly small business owners and more wealthy individuals. These are good problems to have when you have more than a quarter million dollars. Be very wary with banks being uh, in many cases crushed by today's very low interest rates it's possible there will be an uh, increasing number of banks that face liquidity squeezes. Don't know yet how much an issue that will be. The term bank bail-in is a euphemism for when the money you have in excess a quarter million vanishes into thin air. You don't get that money when a bank fails, typically. So you want to keep the money you have on deposit Below that amount. I know it's a little bit extra work to open extra accounts. I know a lot of times a bank will try to convince you that they have procedures in place that you can keep more money than that in a particular institution. But why take a chance like that when you're fortunate enough to have funds in excess of a quarter million? Then just deal with a little bit of inconvenience by going and opening an online savings account with an online bank that you can shove that money into or open a credit union account so that your excess funds don't ever end up at risk in the result of a bank failure. Joel?
2: Clark Nelson in Georgia says, what can you tell me about the new T-Mobile prepaid MVNO Hello Mobile? For $25 per month, no contract, you get unlimited LTE data, hotspot data, calls and text." With some free international calling along with free international texting and roaming and Wi-Fi calling through their app. Sounds like an incredible deal. What's your take?
0: Yeah, the marketplace has been moving into this price range. You know, there's been a lot of talk about Met Mobile being at thirty a month. And this one, the Hello Mobile, you add extra people, the price drops from there and goes down like two people sign up, you're at twenty a month per person three people 18 a month and on like that these are unbelievably low-cost plans I don't know how sustainable unlimited data at these kind of prices might be but uh, gosh if you don't mind dealing with the potential inconvenience if prices change over time and you decide to port back out then this is an opportunity. There's been very aggressive pricing in the market from what are known as um, the MVNOs. Those are people that don't own their own towers, their own systems. We have three in the United States right now: T-Mobile, AT and T, and Verizon. And then we've got all these people that just buy capacity from them. And Hello Mobile is one of those. This episode is
4: brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
0: you're interested in getting a second home yes i am and
5: and thank you for uh taking my call it's it's a pleasure to speak with you i listen to you every night
0: and miss you on the weekends well pam thank you so much and i'm glad i bring you information that you enjoy you do
5: um yes we are looking to get a second home uh right now i i believe that the um Market is a bit high. I think that prices will probably settle down a bit in the next year or two. And um, my question is, when I'm looking at getting interest rates, the lenders want to run a a credit check first before they'll give me any rates so I can um, comparison shop. And I don't know how to go about it without having – my credit report dings several
0: times so Right, that's-, that's a great question and let me tell you the credit scoring models know that people if they are savvy are shopping multiple lenders for a mortgage so all inquiries you do for a mortgage in a limited period of time are treated as if there's only one inquiry so you could go to, let's say you went crazy and you went to 20 different lenders and there would be 20 inquiries on your credit report in just a couple of weeks as far as it affects your score it's treated as if there was only a single inquiry so it does not hurt your credit score at all like you might think when you are shopping around for a mortgage do you know approximately where your credit score is Yes,
5: uh, both my husband
0: and I are above 810. Wow, wow. All right, so let me tell you, you'll be able to pretty closely approximate what you're going to pay in an interest rate on a second home. At the time you're shopping for one, you can look at what people advertise as their best rates, which with a score like yours, you're one of the people that would actually qualify for those. And then just to get a real zone of where you'd end up, add half a point to it because it's a second home.
5: Okay. So then I, I guess I just
0: then should be looking at their fees. Right. So when, when okay. it comes time that you're, you've identified when it's the right moment for you to be looking at second homes, you find one that really fits what you're looking for, during a two-week period Just go all in on applying with uh, the places you should look at are credit unions and through a mortgage broker that can quote you multiple lenders. Stay away from any of the big banks and um, you'll do just fine, particularly with your credit score, finding a really good deal on a loan. Um, The home you own right now that you live in is that going to become surplus in your life and this second home will become your primary or what's the long-term plan?
5: We don't really know. Uh, the, 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 our primary resident is paid for at this point.
0: Okay, that brings up one other possibility when the time comes. And you're right, by the way, the second home market is overheated right now. It's a temporary cycle tied in with coronavirus. So if you have patience and waiting good, But you may find, since you have no mortgage on your first home, you may be able to qualify for a better rate by doing a cash out on your existing home and use the cash to buy the second home as a possibility. So since you own your home free and clear, it gives you that additional freedom. And if that would work better, do that. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show.